then the rest of us, let's get to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. We'll put the verses up on the screen. Uh, I'll read them. We'll pray and we'll get to work. It's a long section, so bear with me. This is Proverbs chapter 8, starting in verse 1. reads like this. Does not wisdom call out? Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. By me kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me there are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the, the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Let's pray. Lord, as we've opened your word together, we're praying that you, by your spirit, through your word, would speak to us. And we're praying that you would change us on the spot. We're praying, God, that you would bring about the new creation in our hearts and in our lives and in this world. Help us to become a wise people who hear the voice of Lady Wisdom and respond to her instruction so that we might be wise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
I don't know if this will discourage you, but I should say it. We've been at it for a while now, many weeks, and we're still in the introduction of the book of Proverbs. And uh, sorry about that, but really it's the way the book is designed. It's designed with nine chapters on the front end that are a bunch of speeches from a father and that are things like this where wisdom is, a, is personified as Lady Wisdom. And it's, it's directed at the youth, and it's trying to instruct them, listen to the way of wisdom so that you might live. Then in chapter 10, it actually goes into the Proverbs, where you have the, the one-liners that are just full of these you know, insights into the principles of God and how his world works. But if that's the case, it reminds us of how wisdom works. Um, Unfortunately, wisdom is not just a body of knowledge. It's not just information that if we could cover all that material, then we could check that off and we'd all be wise. I mean, that'd be wonderful. You know, as a church leader, I would long for that. If there was just a curriculum that I could say, run everyone from our church through the curriculum, maybe, you know, examine to make sure that they were able to comprehend it, but just make sure we, we were tracking together and having done that, then we'd all be wise. That'd be wonderful, but that's not at all how it works. The book of Proverbs reminds us of that because it's really this document, this manual for how to teach and instruct wisdom. And what it seems to say is you have to put yourself into a community of faith with wise elderly individuals who will pour into you. And then you have to constantly revisit this thing over and over again so that you might grow in wisdom. I love how Timothy Keller puts it. He says wisdom, which we've defined, we've defined wisdom as Skillful, skillfulness for living. It's living your life in a way that skillfully navigates the world that God has made. Tim Keller puts it like this. Wisdom is the experience of the 80% of life where the rules of the Bible don't directly apply. Life is complex. There are all kinds of things that we have to make choices on. We can't just go and find a verse and directly apply it to everything. There are a lot of situations where we need wisdom and wisdom is what the book of Proverbs is here to do. Well, today, we have this individual named Lady Wisdom, Wisdom Personified, and she is speaking to us, and she has one message, one thing that she wants us to do. And it's, it's this one idea. It shows up in verse 6, and then it shows up again at the end in, in verses 32 and 33. Here's the one thing she is saying. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. If you do that, it'll go well for you. If you don't, it'll go poorly. But listen to me. Well, let's listen to her speech given here in chapter 8. The first thing we notice is the way she communicates is open and accessible and clear. Verse 1, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? She is making herself available, and she is not shrouded. She's not hidden. She's not subtle. She is speaking out very openly, very publicly, very clearly, and doing this in a way that is accessible. Look at verse 2. At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. She is speaking in a way that is public and accessible in these open spaces at the highest points, at the entrance to the city itself. Wisdom is there, and she's saying, if you want you can find me. You can hear me. You can receive my instruction. So here's what she says. Listen and learn. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. 
Wisdom is indiscriminate in the way that she's saying anyone who will hear my voice could learn something and gain value from it. Verse 5, you who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your heart on it. The, the uncommitted, the people who haven't decided yet, who are kind of navigating life going, well, maybe God's ways could work, but maybe the world has something else that I could try as well. And it's saying, listen, you simple, and you would gain prudence. Or even the foolish. This is incredible that even those who are fools could hear the voice of Lady Wisdom and, and receive that and they could change and become wise. It's a very hopeful thing. But she is speaking in this way that is public, that is open, that is accessible to all who will hear her voice and listen. Look at verse 6. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips and I speak what is right. She speaks in a way that is clear, direct, helpful. He speaks in a way that is accessible to those who would be willing to listen to her. This is in contrast to Lady Folly from the last chapter. The last chapter, we had a seductress woman who was speaking, and she was manipulative, and she was speaking in a way that was trying to invite somebody into destruction. She was speaking, in fact, it says she was lurking about. There was this hiddenness about the way that she was navigating life, and she's uh, trying to invite people into her trap. Lady Wisdom, in this case, is speaking in a way that is clear and direct and helpful and accessible to all who will, who will hear her. Her words are true and good. What she says is accurate. That's what she's saying here in verses 7 to 9. What she communicates is the truth, and it is something that you could build your life upon. You think about the last few years and all of the voices and all of the talking heads and all of the commentary on things that have happened in our world and you think about the a ambiguity of everything that's happened but the way that things are communicated to us and we kind of second guess we go I don't know if I can trust them I don't know if what they're saying is accurate or true and here we have this individual who says when I speak the words that I say the message the instruction that I possess is true and just and right. It's, it will help you in many ways. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. What she speaks is truthful. What she speaks is just. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Everything Lady Wisdom has to say is just. It's also right, look at verse 9, to the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Everything that she communicates is accurate and helpful. So choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. She says, listen, what I have for you is more valuable than any treasure you could imagine. What I have choose my way of instruction because what I have is actually something of tremendous value, more valuable than silver, better than choice gold, more precious than rubies. Nothing that you desire can compare with her. She's saying there is a treasure and it is my words of instruction. Lately, Ash and I have been watching a program with some kids that are going after a treasure and it made me think of Goonies and it made me think of, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all the treasure hunting stuff. And I began to just think about the fact that when people imagine that there's a treasure out there that they could get, they take all kinds of risk, right? They do all kinds of incredible things where their safety's in jeopardy and 
They're risking all kinds of things, like even their relationships. They put their relationships in jeopardy, their, their physical well-being in jeopardy. They do all these things thinking, if I could get that treasure, it would be worth it. Be worth all the stuff that I'm going through to get this thing. Then I started to think through, well, that actually plays out in real time also. When people have these treasures that they imagine will bring them joy and happiness, they are willing to put everything on the line in pursuit of that treasure. The Bible calls it idolatry, but it's when we find something in the world and we go, I need this. I need this so badly. This would be salvation for me. If I had that, then my life would be heaven on earth. And they fall into different categories, but one of them is the, the idea of power or status. And this can show up in a lot of different ways, but people who want power and status, they're willing to sacrifice an awful lot for it. You think about people who are trying to get to a certain status within their vocation and they're working themselves uh, tremendously and maybe they're jeopardizing their relationship with their spouse or their relationship with their kids, but they're justifying it. One day they will see and understand it was worth it. But I'm going after this treasure. I'm going after this thing that I so desperately desire. For some people, it's simply wealth, it's money, and people are willing to do all kinds of things to try to amass more and more wealth. Again, sacrificing all kinds of things in that pursuit. Or for some, it's pleasure. It's things that you look at the world and you go, I just want to be comfortable, I just want to be happy, I just want to have fun. And I will do whatever it takes to achieve those different things. And people will, will risk relationships, they'll risk their well-being, they'll do all sorts of things in pursuit of pleasure. We have all these different treasures that we imagine if we got them, we'd be so, so happy. And wisdom comes along and says, hey, listen, if you hear from me and you gain from me, you would actually get something far better than any treasure you could ever imagine. You would have something far more valuable than refined silver or precious gold or, or precious rubies. You would have wisdom and wisdom transforms everything. In terms of your status, it changes the way that you think about your life. You, if you have wisdom, you're no longer thinking, how can I get to that level that I'm desiring? You'd begin to see the station that I'm in right now is an assignment from God and I can be content here. And maybe God will give me more authority and more opportunity in the future, but right now I'm exactly where God wants me and I can live my life in a way that's pleasing to him. In terms of money, it changed, wisdom changes how we think about money. We no longer think, I have to get as much as I possibly can. I got to set my future up securely and my kids up and all these different things. Wisdom gives you the ability to, be, to handle your money in a different way, to be generous with it, to look for opportunities to give money away to advance the kingdom of God and things like that and pleasure. When you have wisdom, you no longer see these opportunities as these fleeting things that you have to grab onto and make sure you experience it right away. You begin to see them as a gift from God. And you no longer see them as something you have to do to be happy, but you see it as something that you can experience as an expression of worship, where you recognize all of the good things in life come from the hand of God. And then you turn it into worship. So wisdom is saying, listen, when I speak, if you will listen to me, you will hear accurate and helpful words, words that will lead to a treasure far more valuable than anything else you could desire. The wisdom is open, honest, and accessible. You should listen to her. It's true, just, and right. You can trust her, and it's valuable, so you should choose her. And then we come to the body 
of her speech here in verses 12 to 32. And she says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. She's reminding us of the themes of the entire book of Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and uh, foolishness casts its lot with the evil. So she's reminding us of who she is and what she's all about, and then here's what she does in the next section. She tries to persuade us to listen to her. She tries to give us reasons why we ought to hear her voice and respond appropriately. In other words, she's trying to argue with us, not in a combative way, but in a persuasive way. She's giving us logical explanations for why you could hear from her and it would be a good thing. Now, it made me think about this strategy overall because there have been many times where people will ask me to speak against things. Okay, you're the preacher, you've got a little microphone, you've got an audience, preach against some stuff. And people have very clear ideas of what they think is wrong with the world and the things that Christian communicators ought to be uh, railing against. And I often will say the same thing, it's happened numerous times, but I'll often remind them of the same thing that I've been saying for a few years now. I will say, I don't know if that's the best course of action. I don't know if that's wise. What I would rather do is try to persuade. And here's the reason why I've come down on the side of persuasion and not rallying against stuff. The reason why is because there are inherent dangers to communicating against things. Let me, let me explain the two things that I think happen when, when somebody uses a pulpit to try to preach against stuff. Number one, it creates pride in listeners. If I say things that you absolutely agree with about the, the world out there, or maybe there's someone in here that's sitting a little ways away from you, and you're like, yeah, Core, you get them. And you're like, that a boy, you're so brave that you would speak on such hard subjects and communicate so clearly against things. Do you know what I'm doing? I am encouraging your pride and self-righteousness. That's bad. That's a bad thing, and that creates Christians who are more and more judgmental, Christians who are less and less uh, able to engage in mission because they see the world as this awful thing to be avoided. Um, the other thing that will happen if that's the style of communication from the pulpit is it actually makes it so the people who need to be persuaded won't be here, right? If they hear a message that is combative and against them and they go, okay, if that's what that's like, I'm not coming back. And they're not going to listen to the message of wisdom that's invitational. In other words, there's no chance of persuasion because we will be put on mute. Wisdom here says, I am willing to try to convince you. I am willing to try to give you reasons why it would be in your best interest to listen and learn and live. And that's the kind of ministry that I hope that we have around here at Park City, a persuasive ministry that cares deeply not just about truth, but about truth being received and embraced. So here's what she says. First off, one of the reasons why you can listen to her is because when she exerts her power, it results in blessing for society. She's talking about government here, but she's saying anytime that any leader makes a good choice, she goes, that's my handiwork. I did that. 
Wisdom is resident with me, and my power is on display when anyone has sound judgment. Look at verse 14. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. Whenever a leader is making a choice, and that choice is accurate and right and true and good and helpful, wisdom says, that is my handiwork. They're borrowing my material. I've exerted my influence on them, and their choices are reflective wisdom is saying of me. So wisdom is beneficial for society. Verse 15, by me kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just, by me princes govern and nobles all who rule on earth. It's saying anytime there's ever any good leadership anywhere in the world that's beneficial to society, it is on account of the wisdom of God being expressed and displayed in the world. So obviously we should pray for leaders, we should pray for government officials, We should pray for local leaders. We should pray for church leaders. And the thing that we ought to be asking is, Lord, would you please give wisdom? Would you please exert your influence over these people so they might lead in a way reflective of your wisdom? But here's what she's saying in this argument. She's saying, listen, you can trust her because she is very powerful. She has sound judgment and any wise counsel is belonging to to her. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 illustrates this point. It's another part of the Bible that's called wisdom literature. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says, the young man who is impoverished but has wisdom has has a better effect on society than a king who has all the authority, all the decision-making rights, and all, all, all the ability to exert his influence The young man who is impoverished with wisdom is better for the society than a king who is a fool. Wisdom is powerful. Secondly, wisdom benefits the individuals who receive it. Verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Those who embrace Lady Wisdom, those who lay hold to her by faith, who love her, they are found, they find her, and they receive from her all of her benefits, riches, honor, wealth, and prosperity. Verse 19, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. In other words, she's saying, with me are all of the blessings of this world. With me, if you embrace me, if you love me, you will find this worldview that opens up to you the vistas of God's grandeur and glory in this world. You will experience riches and blessings because you are aligning your life to the realities as they truly are. So you can trust her because she benefits society and she benefits individuals. And finally, she was a part of the creation account. Look at this next section here. What she's saying is, before creation existed, she was there. Chronologically speaking, Lady Wisdom predates the world that we live in. Look at verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the beginning when the world came to be. She's saying, before anything else was here, I was here. Before water, verse 24, when there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before water, wisdom was there. Before the mountains, verse 25, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. 
before the earth itself, verse 26, before he made the world or its fields or the dust of the earth, wisdom was there. Wisdom predates creation. And also, wisdom was there and involved in creation. Look at verse 27. I was there when he set heaven, the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters could not overstep his commands, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, wisdom was there. The creation account, wisdom was there superintending the creation of the world in which we live, and wisdom was actively involved. Look at verse 30. Then I was constantly at his side. If you look down, you maybe have a footnote in the NIV, and if you look down at the bottom, and actually that, that phrase there is a little tricky, but it means something like this. I was an artisan at his side, a maker. I was a craftsperson. I was there helping with this project. I was building something, and that building project was a, a delight. Look at verse 30. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Wisdom was there as a craftsperson helping with the creation account, and it was a delightful experience because wisdom was there fashioning the world as we know it. And I can relate to this in, in some degrees because my wife and I realized a handful of years ago that I could build stuff, and uh, we started building all kinds of stuff, uh, furniture at our home and different projects around the home and, and things like that. And, and I, sometimes... I can relate perfectly with wisdom where I delight in it and I'm joyful and I'm looking at this like, this is incredible. This is so fun. But I also am sinful, unlike wisdom. So sometimes I'm grumpy and I'm like, this is not going the way that I want it to or it's not, yeah, I can't find my tools that I've lost. But wisdom here is involved in creation and is delighting in the making of the world. Wisdom is delighting day after day and rejoicing in the presence of God, rejoicing in the whole world and delighting in mankind. Wisdom is involved in this world that we live in. Here's the argument then. If you think about it, it's a very forceful argument. It's saying you should listen to wisdom because wisdom knows better than anybody else. If wisdom is that trustworthy, is that powerful, that sound judgment and counsel and power are exerted on leaders and it benefits the world. That's her doing. If, if wisdom is so helpful that anyone who embraces it receives all of the bounty, all of the riches and treasures of her spoils, and if she was present while well, predating creation and present during the making of it, it stands to reason that she knows an awful lot about this world that we live in. She knows quite a lot about how this works and what would be in your best interest. Wisdom would know how the world is designed and how to navigate it skillfully. So she is saying, you ought to listen to me. And there are many reasons to do that. Let's look at this closing section then where she makes it very plain. Verse 33, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Listen to what she has to say. And if you'll do that, you will grow in wisdom. Do not disregard her teaching, but take hold of it and all of its blessings. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors and waiting at my doorstep. It's saying, it's like, it's like people who are camping out, 
waiting for the, the lady wisdom to come out of her home so that they might hear from her. They're at her door. They're at her doorway. They're waiting for her to teach and instruct them. Design your life in such a way where you're sitting around going, I can't wait for the next lesson from Lady Wisdom. I'm eager to receive from her all that she has. And, and the Bible says, those who do that are blessed. It says in verse 35, for those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. For those who fail to find me, harm themselves. All who hate me, love death. It's telling us here at the closing of this chapter that whoever will listen to Lady Wisdom and receive instruction from her, those people are actually receiving life. Those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. I've been wrestling with this, but I think I think it's appropriate. I know. Scholars have come down on different sides of this, but when you think about, okay, who are we talking about here? Wisdom personified. Wisdom as a person that if you listen to them, you gain life and favor with God. And I think Bruce Waltke is absolutely right that the personification of wisdom is an invitation for us to consider our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That if wisdom is a person that we can go to and receive from, and if his words, her her words, Lady Wisdom being Jesus in this case, if his words are words that give you life and favor with God, that, that is the gospel message. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would receive everlasting life, the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. His words are life-giving words, and when we hear his voice and respond with faith, we find life and we receive favor from the Lord. It reminds me of that situation in John chapter 6 where the disciples are confused by the teaching of the Lord and many people have departed. And he looks at them and he says, are you going to leave too? And they say, where are we going to go? We believe that you have the words of eternal life. Jesus is wisdom and he invites us to receive his instruction and find life. Wisdom is trustworthy, speaking true, just, and right wisdom is beneficial, giving us all kinds of blessings for those who will receive it and apply it by faith. Wisdom is part of how the world works and how society can be benefited. Wisdom is involved in all these different ways of beautifying the world that we live in. So let's be a community of faith that gladly receives this wisdom by faith and tries to live according to the will and the ways of God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us become wise. Lord, we, we have heard from Lady Wisdom this morning about the importance and the necessity of listening to her instruction. I pray especially for those who are simple, who have not yet decided, and they're here today, and that means that they're open to it. I pray for those that have not yet decided to fully commit their lives to you. And I ask God that they would hear this voice and they would respond with obedience and faith. I pray for those who are foolish, who right now are living in opposition to what you want them to do. And I pray that Lady Wisdom would rescue them from folly, that they would hear loud and clear and they would turn from their ways and turn to you and live. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us to hear 
not just the idea of wisdom, but the person of wisdom, Jesus Christ. May we place our faith in him and experience all of the blessings of eternal life with him and favor with God. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.